Hello, 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 everyone in the Outlander universe. Guess what time it is? It's time for another episode of the Sassanac Files. And today we are talking 111, The Devil's Mark, probably a cornerstone episode of the entire Outlander series. And we're here to break it down for you today. This is Chelsea. And this is Rebecca. How are you feeling? Are you liking this episode? I'm pretty excited to talk about it. Yes, I like it. I wouldn't say I love it, but I like it and love the Jamie stuff. <laughs> what about you? Uh, yeah, you're not alone in that sentiment. I I always struggle to get through, like, especially the first third of this episode, and then it kind of picks up speed, and then when Jamie comes back into the picture, that's when I really love the back half of this episode. But yeah, I always struggle yeah. a little bit. I will say that this round watching it, which is probably like the 20th thousandth time, I will say that I legitimately felt for Galus this round. Like, I really felt for her. This has got to suck ass, like, a lot. Because you go back in time and you're like, I'm going to change the future by doing this. Like, she felt so passionately about the Jacobite Rebellion, all this stuff. She goes there to die, basically, is what happens. That, that really has got to suck. I kind of felt for her a little bit, too, in this episode more than I have in the past. But at the same time, I'm kind of like, well, Galus did choose to go back in time. Like, how much more would it suck if Claire, like Claire, it had been an accident and then she ended up dying in the witch trials 200 oh, yeah. years later? I completely agree with you, Chelsea, because... If any of them deserved to die, it was Galus if they were going to choose. Because like you had said, Claire did come back by accident. And Galus knew that. And that's why she made the decision she did. When Jamie showed up and not Google, like, what the fuck? That would be so heartbreaking. As always, guys, you can find us on our regular platforms like iTunes, CastBox, Spotify, Podbean, Google Podcasts. If there's anything that you guys listen to that we are not on please let us know and we'll look into getting on that platform as well because we want you guys to be able to listen to us wherever you are which is like all over the world we've been getting people from like italy reading your blog it's pretty cool it is pretty cool we'd like to see where everybody's from and stuff i'm a pretty avid traveler so seeing where everybody's from and stuff it's just kind of fascinating for me so between the blog and the podcast, we've reached five different countries now, including the U.S., so that's pretty cool. I can see what state the downloads are coming from, so maybe one of these days we'll have a download competition, because right now California is pretty steadily in the lead, and Indiana is right up there, so come on, Hoosiers, do Yay. your thing. Yay, California! <laughs> Well, California in defense is like twice the size of Indiana and probably three times the population. So there's that. (laughs) Well, let's go ahead and get on into this episode. And it kind of starts out in a information download. You get this first scene where they're like thrown into this thieves hole. Ow, first of all. Yeah. I was like, thanks, fellas. The ground is not hard at all. (laughs) Did you see Galus grab her pregnant belly? Like, you just threw a pregnant woman into a hole. 
like solid rock just through her face yeah. first. Like what assholes? Just like you're a witch, not gonna think anything of it. Oh yeah, and Claire's like, wait, there's been a mistake. I'm married to Jamie Fraser, and they're like, oh yeah, and I'm King Arthur. Fuck you, dude. <laughs> and Galus was like, I'm pretty sure he was way good looking than that guy. <laughs> Like, that's what you're thinking? Well, she's, at this point, is totally not concerned at all because she thinks, oh, we'll be here for a little bit until Dougal finds out and then Dougal will find out and come get us. Claire's like, you have no freaking clue. Like, he told his brother about you two and Colin's not having any of it. He exiled him and he freaking sent Jamie with him. So thanks for that. Nobody's coming. We're on our own. I don't think it still fully hit her what was happening, though. Because, like, yeah, Dougal's not showing up, but it kind of still wasn't fully there yet, maybe. And that's kind mm-hmm. of what my perception was. But I agree. She was like, shit. <laughs> yeah. And so they kind of have this back and forth where they're throwing accusations at each other. Galus is like, well, maybe this is all your fault. They didn't show up until you came to my house. Maybe you led them there. And then she's like... You're the one that's letting your maidservant know that you're out doing druid rituals in the woods. Like, yep. seriously? And this is my fault? <laughs> seriously, Galus. <laughs> so this is pretty common knowledge, is what Claire's saying, that Galus practices witchcraft according to what, what people yeah. back then would see as witchcraft. I mean, she <laughs> gives people drugs to have abortions. She gives people charms like ill wishes and things like that. Yeah. And she's doing random rituals in the woods, which, yeah, that's kind of sketchy. Which, it, which isn't technically a bad thing. She's just connecting to the moon. But really, like, just so funny, some thought processes. Like, some of them were like, she's picking herbs. And I'm like, isn't that normal for anybody? <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Well, oh, my gosh. When, when we actually get into this, I have so many thoughts on <laughs> yep. this. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> like, so we kind of get in Claire's head a little bit and she's like, you know, I don't know much about this time that I've been thrown into. But as far as witch trials grow, I know that the accused rarely walk away. She knows yep. she's up a creek without a paddle, essentially. Yep. Because Jamie's not going to show up anywhere. <laughs> Like, he's gone. (laughs) Like, how that must feel for them to be in this situation, know that they're innocent, and that nobody's coming for them. Yeah. Like, like you had pointed out, Galus dug her own grave with this. Claire did not. She just has a very giving heart and just wanted to make sure everything was okay. So, like, she doesn't understand the time period, as we had noticed in the last episode. People kept telling her, you don't know what you're dealing with, so you need to be safe. Can I point out that Galus wanted to cuddle that night, and Claire was like, no, I don't want to. (laughs) I thought that was really funny. (laughs) Can't can't really blame her. I mean, yeah, it's pretty much all Galus's fault. And she's like, no, I'm not fucking cuddling with you. You can freeze to death for all I care. <laughs> yep. <laughs> you and your baby. Let's move on. <laughs> it's horrible. <laughs> then I love how morning comes and Claire's totally rethinking that strategy because she's like, well, I guess it's better to burn on a pyre than to freeze to death. <laughs> like, oh, Claire. 
That sounded like Claire, the joking, like, dark humor thing going on. Mm, So that just, that worked. So then they're dragged through the square past the pyre where they're likely going to burn as witches. And she's like, is Mm -hmm. that what I think it is? And Galus is like, it's not a maypole, Claire. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god. Like, Galus's gallows humor is just absolutely ridiculous well you almost have to have humor when this crazy thing is happening how do you even process it so you just have to kind of get sarcastic about things like claire Mm -hmm. don't be dumb right now you know what this is why are you asking (laughs) right so they get drawn into the church slash courthouse slash whatever you want to call it they're talking about how there's no friendly faces in the crowd it's all a bunch of strangers and all of a sudden Guess who shows up? Ned. Oh, Ned. And he like Gowen. And he (laughs) just storms into the place and he's like, this whole proceeding is illegal. (laughs) It needs to be dismissed. And everybody's like, what? No. Yep. Which it really is. And then he's like, oh, so I see that we're dispensing with English law. I love how he's got like this 10 tiered strategy on how he's going to play this. Yep, oh, and man. I love that the judges were like, shit, he knows what he's talking about, so they have to let him stay. Like you had said, he just knew exactly, order what he was going to do with the outcome, so I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, and I've been doing a lot of research for my next blog entry on kind of like crime and punishment and things like that, and the last witch trial on record in Scotland took place in like 1735. Like, that was the last time that somebody was executed as a witch in Ooh. Scotland. Well, <clears throat> so, yeah, so this whole thing is kind of interesting to me. I mean, I guess I'm wondering how frequently it actually happened, like, people were put on trial. Because it's like the examiner said, they were like, well, this is an ad hoc proceeding, which just means that it's necessary and that it's under the church's jurisdiction. It's not a legal proceeding. Which, A, how can you even do that? Like, the church had way too much power back then. They could just do whatever the heck they wanted and just say, oh, well, it's under the church, so whatever. Yeah, the church is annoying. (laughs) Well, especially back then when there was no system of checks and balances, they literally just did whatever they wanted. Nowadays, it's more of a, like, it's a separate entity, but they're subject to the law in a lot of ways, whereas back then, the law couldn't really touch the church, so it was just annoying. So yeah, they basically just a bunch of people rounded up a couple of random women and said, hey, we want to have a witch trial. And the church is like, all right, let's do it. (laughs) It, Yeah, like how many weren't actually documented? I didn't Mm -hmm. think about that. There were probably lots of women getting burned alive for something stupid as picking an herb. Yeah. And just stupid stuff. So we're talking about this first day of witnesses. So we have... Jeannie, who's Galus's housemaid, who had some legitimate claims, let's be honest. Yeah. But she also led Claire to Galus. She told her exactly right. where she was. So she's like, she's a witch too. I'm like, whatever. <laughs> Jeannie really strikes me as just an opportunist. I don't think she personally had anything against either one of them. It's just that she had her 10 minutes of fame or whatever, and she took it. Like, oh, I'm going to testify at this witch trial. Because wasn't she trying to get money, though? She was wanting to get paid more and everything, too. I just thought that was an interesting take on her. 
yeah, she was wanting to leave and she was disgruntled or whatever. I just personally don't think that that's a valid enough reason to try somebody as a witch and get them killed. So yeah. that makes me think that there was probably a little bit more motivation there than just that. And you're right, like, Ned's like, well, it just sounds like she's a malcontented maidservant, is how he put it. And kind of got <laughs> that dismissed. And then we've got this poor the mother. mother. I I do feel bad for her in a lot of ways, but at the same time, the naivety of some of these people back then, and that all of a sudden it's Claire's fault. Not her fault for leaving it out to freeze to death in a tree. It's Claire's fault for trying to save it, but she doesn't see it that way. It's just like, it's really frustrating. I kind of felt like she was the one that had a valid point because of the way she was raised and all of them, even in the building, were just listening. I went, this is people they're steeped in this weird ass Mm. thinking i felt for her um and it does suck for claire but she was warned to leave the baby alone i would have done exactly what she did like are you fucking kidding me right now there's a baby (laughs) it sucked that ned had to kind of almost gaslight the situation (laughs) turn it around and make it like you know maybe this was your fault that you let her take your baby kind of thing like disrupt the process that's gotta suck a lot because he knows he didn't want to do it like that but he had to make her feel bad in order for her to like stop blaming claire it it, that was sucky ned says something interesting he said that it must be nice that the mother can take comfort that her child is healthy and living forever with the fairies which is the exact same thing that jamie said in the last episode when he was explaining it to Claire. How many times have these people heard and used that phrase? It's just ingrained in them, in in their culture. And I just found it so interesting that it's the exact same words used in the exact same context as a way of comfort for a parent or someone who's lost a child in some sort of way. Yeah, I just thought it was interesting. I did not piece that together. So that's very interesting. And then you've like, got this dumbass Alistair who's accusing Galus of transforming into a winged bird. Oh like, my What a God. dumbass. But here's the thing is that in the books, this guy was dismissed out of hand as a drunkard and his opinion was not valid at all and he was escorted off the premises. But in the show, yeah. they like gave him credence and everybody was like, oh, yeah, that's totally a believable thing. Like just to make the crowd look even more ridiculous, I suppose. But I didn't necessarily care for that change. They really believe this folklore stuff. Like they believe this thing. So to me, it didn't bug me so much. My irritation mostly with the changes in this episode was Claire. She wasn't like this in the book where she was just like y'all are blah 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 gonna go to hell and all this other stuff she just kept yelling the whole time and I'm like this isn't her when I finally read it I went okay I can kind of see where that makes logical sense where she just like kind of sat back and was like I don't even know how to process this she barely said anything except like is Ned done talking because I'm bored (laughs) I don't know because I kind of agree with the changes they made to Claire because. I personally don't know that I could have sat there and done nothing knowing that these people were condemning me for whatever some random person who I've never even talked to has said, and I can't defend myself at all. So I don't know how realistic that is. So I kind of agree with 
the change. Like, I don't know that I could just sit there and let people bash me left and right. They don't even know me. Yeah, it does happen back to back. And I'm not saying I would have kept my mouth shut a good chunk of the time. But like for Claire to have been how Diana wrote it, just kind of, it just, it bugged me too much for her to yell so much, I guess. Like, I just went, just be quiet. You keep digging yourself into this hole. Just shut up. When the first day of trials adjourns, Ned gets to say like five words to Claire and do we have a chance? Well, I think so. Did Colin send you? And he just gives her this look like, um, no, he wouldn't approve of me being here, which is like, what? And then she asks, well, did he have something to do with my arrest? And Ned just looks at her and we're like, shit, what the hell is going on? I think Colm had probably more to do with Galus's arrest and Claire just happened to be there in the crossfire is kind of how I'm leaning. That would make logical sense because he just clearly, he did not like Galus at all. So I could back up that theory. And Ned does an amazing thing, hands Claire some alcohol to keep her warm, <laughs> which is needed. I love that he calls it water of life. it'll keep you warm (laughs) second night in the thieves hole they've Mm -hmm. decided that they're they're okay with cuddling i guess (laughs) but they're like chatting back and forth yeah and it's a great little conversation that they have yep and claire's talking about well ned thinks that he might be able to get us off or whatever and galus looks at claire and says you still don't get it they mean to kill us it doesn't matter Who says what? They're going to find a way to execute us as witches. They've got it in their head, and that's what they're sticking to. They weren't budging. They were going to believe anything anybody said because they were irrational already. They just, it's a sucky situation. Mm. So then we get a little bit of the story of how Galus and Dougal got together. Mm-hmm. It's, um, it's an interesting little tale that involves diverting funds from Galus's dead husband, Arthur, to the Jacobite cause. And Claire's like, oh, of course you are. Of course you're a Jacobite. Like, okay, now it makes sense. I'm just a little conflicted because I know last episode I said that I... I don't really think that Galus and Dougal like love each other. I think it's more of a passion, but yeah, I don't think that Dougal loves Galus, but I really think that Galus has really strong feelings for Dougal just based on yeah. her, how she proceeds through this entire episode. And she's gets a little bit more crestfallen every time Dougal doesn't show up, you know? Yep. So yeah, it like was written all over her face when Jamie shows up. That would be a big burn. She says to Claire when they're sitting there talking that you don't think I don't know he's got a thing for the lassies. And that's when Claire goes, oh, my God, you're an idiot. You do love him. <laughs> Gayla says, your words, not mine. <laughs> <laughs> right when she says well Colm fights for the Mackenzies but Dougal fights for the McKinnons the McPhersons the Chisholms 
everybody. He's a lion. And that's when Claire's like, oh, you really do love him, don't you? Yeah. But I I get the attraction. Right, right. Yes. I get Mm -hmm. the attraction because he fights for Scotland, like you said, and she, she fights for Scotland and she gets that. And that's what drew them together. But I really do feel like she loves him at this point. And I mean, he's an attractive guy, so I don't really blame her in that way. Right. <laughs> Just a little bit. <laughs> and he clearly knows that she's pregnant with his child. And by the way, he was talking to Colm about it in the last episode. Like, he's clearly very happy about that. He could have easily been like, well, you need to get rid of it because you realize how much scandal this is going to cause. But he doesn't. So that's where I'm, I'm very torn in how I feel about their relationship. I think men just love that they can make babies. <laughs> yeah, there was something really like intense about that. Like, yes, carry on the name. Because I don't know if he ever really did love his wife. Did he even have kids with her? I don't think so. Oh, yeah. Yep, he had oh, three he daughters. Okay. Remember, we find out about him in season four. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Didn't she hear Claire say a specific line? That kind of makes Galas kind of sit there for a second. I forgot the line exactly, but oh yeah, yeah. They're talking about how passionate of a Jacobite Galas is, and how she doesn't regret any of it because when the rising comes, she'll have helped. And mm-hmm. Claire quotes Nathan Hale and says, "My only regret is that I have but one life to give for my country." Which hasn't happened yet because that happens during the American Revolution. She had the shock on her face and went, well put. Just was like, what the fuck? I knew it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I definitely think that Galas had her inklings about Claire, but that was the moment that she put it together. That would be a crazy experience to have. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I can't imagine being put in that position, honestly. (laughs) Like, time traveling. Let's just even think about that for a second. That'd be like a mind fuck right there. (laughs) So the next day, we see Claire bundled up in her skirt, and I wrote down (laughs) skirt goals. Because, like, that would be pretty amazing. Just to have a big, gigantic skirt and just be able to wear it when I'm cold. You know, like, have my own kilt. That'd be awesome. And I love Galis and Claire's dialogue. Just being funny back and forth, like, you know, if you are a witch, Galus, like, now would be a good time for you to use your powers. And Galus was like, the same to you, my friend. <laughs> is is this when Claire's bringing up the birds? Because we saw that in the title card. All these yes. birds swarming, talking about she just thought they were so beautiful and she loved how they would be in this flock together. It's very interesting. Yep, to protect each other. And this is where this idea of her and Galus sticking together through the rest of this kind of comes into play is that they're talking about a group of these birds is called a murmuration and how they fly in these big flocks in these weird formations just back and forth like we see in the title card to avoid predators. Mm -hmm. And so... That's where this idea of Claire and Galus sticking together. We're hardly a flock, as Galus says. But yeah, that they're going to try to protect each other as much as they can. I mean, would you do the same? I don't know if I would have been able to give her up, you know, like that. I don't think I would have been able to, honestly. 
to mm-hmm. know that you're mm-hmm. responsible for another person's death, like, that's a lot to live with. So, they grab the women, they're back in the church courtroom thing, and Leary shows up. <laughs> Did you see the look on Galus's face? Like, before they pan over and you see that it's Leary, Galus is, like, eyes wide and kind of elbowing Claire, like, are you seeing this shit right now? <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> I'm so tired of goddamn Leary. I freaking hate her. Guys, in case you can't tell, she's like my least favorite character of the entire series. She leaves a bad taste (laughs) in my mouth. I love that she beats the Bonnie Prince, though, because I know you don't really like him. I think she beats... (laughs) This is going to sound so bad, but I think she beats Blackjack, guys. I hate her that much. (laughs) Oh, my God. Okay, see, like, here's the thing. This is where it's valid to not like her. See, in the episodes before, we could kind of understand where she's coming from. But this scenario is really just not okay. And she is letting her young girl feels push her to another direction. This is not what you do. You don't go have somebody killed because they were forced to marry the guy you like. Come on, girl. And spin the truth in so many directions that it doesn't even resemble the truth anymore. Like, it's just... yep so intentionally done to get Claire killed that there's just no going back from that. I I just can't. Exactly. And like, it's obvious, it's written all over her face that she's really heartbroken by all of this stuff, you know, which is understandable. But again, all this is not okay. So she is, she's twisting the truth. And then Claire has to admit, I made a fake potion thing to make her feel better. Yes, I did slap her, but did you know she tried to steal my husband? (laughs) Like, these are legitimate things. You wouldn't want to slap a girl for trying to get with your man, like, or want to at least. Like, woman, you know he's mine. And don't be saying he's passed to get drunk to have sex with me. Like, don't do that. No, no, no. Biatch, I agree with you. So Ned goes, obviously, she's just this heartbroken little girl. Are we really going to take her seriously? And then she goes, I I am heartbroken. He was the love of my life. And I'm like, oh, for the love of Christ, are we joking right now? Like, oh, my God. And they're telling Claire, like, you're not supposed to be talking. You're the one being tried. Stop talking. It was sad. That's where I probably would have said something like Claire did. Yeah. Not being able to defend yourself must be so terrible yeah i can't imagine especially if you're gonna get burned alive (laughs) right so we get fucking father bane i can't even fucking deal with him i just He's, he's so dramatic he's like like and i love how he's in the middle of his like fire and brimstone approach and ned turns around and is like uh is this a trial or a sermon He literally says, you let the whore of Babylon into your midst. (laughs) Like, and I didn't stop it. So I asked the Lord to forgive me. Well, he says God told him you did wrong and all this stuff. And I'm like, what? Were you totally shocked? Because I was wondering, because I had read the books and obviously knew that he was going to come out on the other side condemning her. But were you confused? When, When I first saw it, I went, whoa, what happened? He says God told him this, okay, and so he's apologizing. Well, that's interesting, yay. And then 
I went, what just happened? You know, it took a few watches for me to actually see the smirk. I know something went down that wasn't okay, but I didn't catch the smirk for a while. And so when I saw that, I went, fuck you. I already didn't like you anyways, but like, bleh. I just want to flip them off. I just don't like them. <laughs> I wonder what would have happened if the crowd had been like, oh, okay then. Well, like instead of completely obviously doing what he anticipated them doing, which is like, oh, this is Satan's work that would make a man of God step away from his position, blah, blah, blah. It's yeah. her fault. You know, I wonder what would have happened if the crowd had just kind of accepted his testimony and Claire had gotten off. <laughs> it would have been a slap in his face for sure. But they reacted the way he wanted them to. And that's just, it's so stupid. Like, again, everything that happens that gets said, everyone's like, witch, witch. And she sings, you know, all this stuff. And it's like, is that a crime to sing? Y'all do it all the time. Don't pretend like that's something. It just confirms more what Gala said. They want us to burn. So nothing's going to deter them from their thought process. They're so brainwashed that it's it's absolutely ridiculous that it doesn't ever really occur to them that they could be sentencing an innocent person to burn alive. Like, it just doesn't occur to them. Like, they're not thinking about that. And the fact that things like this, hangings and all of that, were for public spectacle back then, it sickens me. Like, it makes me nauseous thinking about it. I wonder if part of the mindset is that they're women and their women weren't looked so highly upon. So I wonder if that plays a little bit of a part. But also, Father Bane's the problem. He's the one that's talked to them. As Jamie said, like, they don't know anything past what Father Bane has told them. He's the reason why they're so intense on this. We get a brief recess before Galas and Claire are sentenced. There's a couple of interesting conversations that go on in this brief little hiatus. And one line that particularly stood out to me is what Ned is telling Claire. It says, it doesn't matter what you are, but what people think you are. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, yeah, that's that's about accurate. (laughs) It doesn't really matter who you are deep down. It's the impression that you've left with everybody else (laughs) or what they have in their heads. That's what matters. Claire's interesting. So they already kind of thought she was weird anyways. So, like, she's already doing her stuff and a little bit difficult. So, like, she hasn't really helped herself by not listening when Gayla said, don't go near that baby or all this other stuff. And I really think that a lot of it is it was just bad timing. I think that even if Claire had done everything right, if she would have still been in that attic with Galas, she would have been arrested and people would have made shit up about her just for the hell of it. I agree. Which is really sad. Yep. Yeah. So, So Ned lays this plan out and yes, it sucks, but I can also see the merit of it. He's saying, look, people thought Galas was a witch way before Claire showed up. So it only makes sense that she would get a sentence of burning at the stake as a witch because let's face it, you haven't helped yourself is what he told. And she makes this comment, well, are you my lawyer or are you my judge? And he's like, look, (laughs) I, I did my best. Okay. Like I tried. It's just, you're beyond help essentially. And he's like, we just need to focus on Claire. Claire 
is the only one who has a chance of walking away from this. So Claire, you need to renounce Galus and say that she bewitched you into doing all of these things and they might let you go. And she's um, not about that. Claire oh, is no. like, I, I, I won't do this. And it's just sucky. And I think this is where obviously it really hit Galus. I think it really hit her she was going to die when Father Bane did that smirk that he did. She was like, shit. Like, did you look at her face? She was oh, yeah. freaking out. Ugh, it's horrible. Ned gives them a minute. And <laughs> Galus is like, Claire, tell me now. Everything. I have a right to know. And Claire obviously tries to lie. And she goes, enough. I want to know now. Like, why are you here? I need to know this wasn't for nothing. And Claire says the first honest thing that she said since coming through the stones to anybody, she said, it was an accident and all I want is to go home. And that kind of strikes a chord with Galus because that's not why Galus came back. She came back because she wants to change things. So she feels for Claire. She's like, it makes sense that this would happen to me, but this really sucks for somebody who didn't do this on purpose, had no idea of the risks, and just kind of got thrown into this situation. It's not fair. Interesting you took that perspective. I honestly thought Galus was like, this fucking sucks. I thought she came back for something, and this is what happens. Now I'm burning alive. Like, I'm going to have to for this person that was accidentally here. So I find that your take was very interesting. I just feel that... Claire wasn't willing to make this decision. She was going to do what she had to do. And she wasn't going to give Galus up in the process. And mm -hmm. Galus, I think, kind of saw that. But then when she learned none of this happened intentionally for Claire, that she's like, well, fine. I'm going to die anyway. I might as well die for something. And so that's why she says, well, I guess I'm going to a fucking barbecue. Because <laughs> she's like, oh, <laughs> let's do this shit. <laughs> if I was going to die no matter what, wouldn't you at least want to save somebody in the process? Yeah. I'm wondering if she was still debating it, though, before she went out there. I guess her saying looks like I'm going to a fucking barbecue basically meant like she's going to save Claire. Yeah, I think that at that yeah. point she had made up her mind. Well, let's just do this shit then. <laughs> Get it over with. Which, <laughs> exactly. That was her way to kind of maybe sow the seed about telling Claire that she's from the future before she actually says what year she's in. Because, like, right. I didn't catch that line right away. I just went, oh, that's probably normal. I think anybody has ever said that. <laughs> 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 it didn't hit me when I first saw it. I just, okay. And then I think it took somebody else actually telling me, like, you know that line is not. <laughs> and I went, oh. <laughs> We get back out of the courtroom and Ned's like, Your Honor, Mrs. Fraser would like to make an announcement. And Claire's like, you know what? I can't do this. We said we were going to stick together and this isn't sticking together. So she's like, you know what? Nope, I don't have anything to say. And Galus is like, are you freaking insane? This was your chance. Yeah. Like, you're willing to die with me right now? And she's like, well, yeah, I am. So they're sentenced to death by the church. And as they're starting to be pulled down from their little cell area, Claire just freaking goes off. She's like, you're all murderers. 
This has nothing to do with witchcraft. You're going to burn in hell. And of course, that doesn't go over well with a bunch of <laughs> God-fearing individuals. <laughs> um, oh, my God. And they go to whip her on her back. And that part always gets me. Like, I kind of, like, cringe-ish. Like, I feel it as Katrina is getting, quote-unquote, hit by whatever it is. It looked so believable. I'm like, is she really faking right now like Katrina <laughs> you did amazing because I was freaking out for you and then the best thing to happen to this episode bye. doors open yeah the doors oh, open and he Jamie's clear. yeah <laughs> he's shoving the men out of the way and I'm like yeah and the judges are like you have no right to be here and he's like you telling me what to do <laughs> Well, like, well, fuck you guys. Do I look like I'm about to listen to what you have to say? I really hope not because I'm not going to listen to what you have to say. <laughs> I'm going to fucking kick your ass here. You want me to climb up there? Show you. Show you who belongs here. <laughs> I've said it before and I will say it a million times again. You don't fuck with James Fraser's wife. You just don't no. do it. Okay? Mm-hmm. You'd think that no, people would don't. learn, but they just never do. No, they don't. Oh, my God. It makes for good television when they don't learn, because then we get to see Jamie kick some ass. <laughs> I know. I was just thinking about episode 512, and I went, yep, I know. that's legitimate. I love what he says to them. I wrote it all down so I could say it correctly. I swore an oath before the altar of God to protect this woman, and if you're telling me you consider your authority to be greater than that of the Almighty, then I must inform you I'm not of that opinion myself. Boom. <laughs> Like, I just, I love it. I remember when I first saw that scene going, did he just say what I thought he said? I rewound it, and I remember, like, (laughs) taking out my phone to record it, because I went, that was just fucking mind-blowing. I need to remember what he just said here. (laughs) It just just blew my mind. I went, who is this guy? Like, did he legitimately just say that? It's just another moment where he takes his vows seriously. It's good stuff. My heart just, it's good. It's actually my quote of the episode because I just don't think there's anything else in the episode that matches that. It's fantastic. Interesting. God, I just love Jamie so much. And he, even though they haven't said it to each other yet, like they love each other and he loves her so much. I mean, we hear it later in the series, but he would have gone to the stake with her if that is what it would have taken. It's a good one. I'll read my honorable mention then um later when we're done with the episode because i think it might be equal to this epicness so i find that interesting (laughs) and galus looks at this moment going damn it (laughs) and goes this woman is no witch i am she's saying i am a devil worshiper basically and shows this scar which is it's a smallpox smallpox yeah and Mm -hmm. claire goes oh my god, she's from the future, she pieces it together. Obviously, that scar was to really confirm it for Claire. That was the only reason she did it. And that's when Galus goes on this whole thing like, I am having the devil's child. And she's telling Claire, go, like, why are you still here? And Jamie's like, let's leave. Claire's just not having it. She's like, no, don't do this. And Galus is doing her thing, ripping off her clothes, showing the baby that was some good special effects that's a sucky situation 
And yeah, but also kind think, of funny because she's so ridiculous. <laughs> do do I you think? think that Jamie showing up to save Claire solidified in Galus's mind what she needed to do? Like, Dougal's not coming for me, so I have to do what I have to do to save my friend. Oh, yeah. I, again, didn't think it was fully in her mind to do it yet until she saw Jamie showed up. I mean, I know she had said the fucking barbecue line, but I don't think it was still fully in her mind and heart yet that she was actually going to do this. Jamie showing up would have made me go, fuck, I have to do what I need to do now and let Claire go. So they take Galas outside and Jamie and Claire are kind of watching the proceedings, but Jamie's like, we have to go now, Claire, like before they kind of realize that I took you and ran, we have to go. Then we see them in the woods and Jamie is cleaning the welts on Claire's back. And he says, the cuts aren't deep. I think you'll not be marked. And I just kept thinking... He doesn't want her to have scars like he has scars. Yep. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. I'm not kidding you. I I might cry as we're talking about the rest of this because it's just so much. And that really gets me because he, you know, that concerns him. Like he doesn't want her to live with this day. Like he has to live with what he has. Like that's part of him now, but he doesn't want that for her. So They just kind of get to talking and he says, I know there are things you don't want to tell me and that's fine. But the one thing that I do ask of you is that when you do choose to tell me something, let it be the truth. I want to at least be able to believe the things that you do choose to tell me. And she agrees to that, which, yeah, Janie 100% had the right to ask that of her, like, okay, you have your secrets, that's fine, but I want to know that at least what you do choose to tell me is the truth. Oh my god, this guy. (laughs) He's amazing. I wish that everybody was that understanding, that, like, tell me on your own time, that's fine. But what really gets me is that he's like, okay, but I do have one question, (laughs) and I do want an answer for this one. (laughs) He was so cute here. Are you a witch? And she's just like, how am I supposed to take that question seriously right now? And uh, yep. then he points out, he's like, you have the exact same scar that she does. Yep. And she yep. said it was the devil's mark. So what am I supposed to believe? What's the truth here? And yep. it kind of just all comes pouring out. She's like, I'm going to have to tell him. And he yeah. deals with this with so much Grace, there's a lot of debate on whether she could have told him earlier than this, and she probably could have, in all honesty, but I think that after everything that went down at the witch trial, she really was at a point mentally where she realized that she could trust him with absolutely everything, and he would never question it. He would keep her secrets, he would defend her, and I think that's what the witch trial proved more than anything, is that he was willing to lay down his life for her and damn the torpedoes. <laughs> I know you read the book first, but does it bother you a little bit that they never explain how Jamie gets there? Because it bothers the crap out of me. And I know I read the book finally and no, but like every time I watch it, I'm like, I need to know how he got there. 
news doesn't really travel that fast. <laughs> like, this is my line of thinking. This is Chelsea logic for you. So they were probably in the thieves' hole for a couple of days before the trial started. We know that Dougal's estate rests on Mackenzie lands, so they're not that far away. So probably what happened was when Ned found out that Claire had been arrested with Galus, he sent a message to Jamie and Dougal and proceeded to go to the trial to be with Claire and Galus. Meanwhile, Jamie is running hell for leather towards the trials, hoping against all hope that he's going to get there in time. And that's kind of how I see all of that going down. Okay, because I'm trying to figure out if somebody sent him a letter going, hey, like, this is happening with your woman. And then obviously Dougal doesn't show up. That sucks. So interesting theory. I I could get behind that. (laughs) It all comes pouring out of Claire (laughs) that she's from the future and she was born in 1918. And Jamie's just kind of frozen. He's like trying to mentally process what she just said. Right when she says she's from the future is when he freezes. <laughs> and I'm sure there's part of him that is like, okay, well, that kind of makes sense. Why she's mm-hmm. so weird. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. I think his brain was literally going piece together, piece together, dot, 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 uh, dot, and it shapes yeah. her face. That's what all exactly. the Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I agree. Yeah. He's just like, okay, all right. Well, but that doesn't, well, I mean, none of this makes sense. It's probably what he's thinking. Like, this is his internal dialogue. <laughs> <laughs> and she's and, like, do you hear me? And he's like, yes, I heard you. <laughs> like, give me a minute, woman. <laughs> Do you hear me? You think I'm raving mad, don't you? He goes, no, I believe you, Sassanak. Like, that's just... When he said that, I remember when I first watched this episode, I went, are you fucking kidding me right now? Who are you and where are you from? Yeah, I just... When he says he believes her, the look on her face, she's almost like, no, you don't. Like, you're joking, right? Like, she expected more of a fight than what she got all he really wants is details you know he wants to know how she came to be there and all of that which can't say i blame him well he did ask her for the truth and this is what comes out so it's got to be true (laughs) and i think that that has a lot to do with it is that they just had this conversation about whatever you do choose to tell me let it be the truth and she agreed to that and then on the heels of that conversation comes, uh, I traveled 200 years back in time. Yeah, I was born in 1918. <laughs> like, yeah. They don't really go hand in hand. But if you just had somebody swear to tell you the truth no matter what, and this is what comes out of their mouth, I mean, you kind of have to take their word for it. My thought, kind of a side note on this, is that I wonder... How many pages this scene actually was? Because when they do the montage of Claire telling Jamie the entire story, like that's a lot of lines and it's all cut together. And I'm like, I wonder how many pages this actually was or if they kind of just had them ad-libbing some stuff to cut together. Because I was trying to listen to what they were saying and there was one little portion where Claire says, before we left the church, she said blah, blah, blah. 
And I'm like, what are they talking about? Yeah. Hmm. And I also noticed him saying, tell me about the stones again. Which I'm like, you're a dick. (laughs) He already had it in his brain what he was going to do. Okay, go ahead. Oh, that's a good one. I didn't think about that. (laughs) Well, I just had assumed that he was trying to wrap his head around it. And he was like trying to figure out if he had missed anything. That's kind of what I thought. Interesting. Because he has heard about those stone stories before. So he's probably mm-hmm. thinking about that. She's one of those women. But I, I think he already knew, which makes me sad. <laughs> it's just really like the part that got me this time more than any other is when she finishes telling him the story and he's like, so when you left the glade, you were trying to get back to the stones and back to your husband. Yeah. And I beat you for it. And he feels yeah. so awful. And she's like, you couldn't have known. Like, I chose not to tell you. It's not your fault. It's my fault yeah. for not telling you. But he just feels so awful. Because he knows that she was doing everything she could to get back to Frank. And now he understands. And it's just all hitting him at once. The emotional roller coaster that he is on in this scene yeah. is crazy. And that line always gets me every time. Just He just feels like shit because he's Jamie and takes on everything. And it's like, no, <laughs> you're okay. Yeah. <laughs> and so she's crying. And he turns around and just starts to comfort her. Like, he just has his fingers in her hair, and he's talking in Gaelic. And he goes, no one will harm you now. You're safe. I'm here. What a sweetie. And she actually asks him, do you really believe me? And he goes, yeah, I do. Although, it would have been a good deal easier if you had only been a witch. That line hit me this time with me thinking, It's because he wouldn't have had to take her to the stones to go to Frank. Yeah, it could have been something that could have been covered up, and that would have been the end of it. Yep. But, yeah. Yep. Well, and I feel like it's a lot harder to explain this situation to people than it is. Like, people have in their heads what witches are, the concept of witchcraft and all of that, versus a time traveler. Uh, yeah. No. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So yeah. There's that dilemma. No matter as well. no matter these stories they've heard of women going through these stones and time and stuff. Like the song that Jamie was explaining to her in um what episode was it? Yeah, it was the way out. Just interesting. So <sighs> they're on their way to God knows where. I don't think they yeah. even really know where they're going at this point. They're just trying to get far away from Cranesmere and the witch trials. And she says in her voiceover that Jamie keeps talking about Lollybrock, but Claire just feels lost and adrift. She doesn't know what she wants. She doesn't know where she wants to be. She doesn't even really know how she feels at this point. And which is really, I think everybody's gone through a similar situation in their lives where they're just like, don't feel tethered to anything. I just felt bad for her because, yeah, like, how do you feel? Like, okay, the truth is out there now. There's nothing hindering her from going home. 
But is that what she yeah. wants? Jamie just keeps talking about his life and his family and his home and how much he wants that for them. And I think it's hitting her more now that this is his time and his place and where he belongs. And she's questioning a lot. Do I really belong here? Can I make this work? Or I don't know. I feel like she's thinking about it because up till this point, it had been, I need to go back. I need to go back. I need to go back. And now she's having doubts. Yeah. She's kind of numb to whatever he's saying and Mm -hmm. just kind of sitting there and processing. And he's like, if you want to see Lally Brock, we can. Yeah. Like, what do you even do in this scenario? You just told this other guy you're married and trying to get back to this other man. I would have been surprised if it didn't go this way of him bringing her to the stones, you know? Although I was shocked that it happened, I would have been surprised if it never happened. This next scene, did you think that it was gratuitous? I'm curious with them by the fire. No, I loved it. That's probably one of my favorite little moments of theirs. People can shut their mouths if they didn't like it. (laughs) Yeah. I loved it as well. And some people don't get it, but it just made complete sense to me. It's not about them having sex. And it's not about, like, it is about Jamie in every sense of the word, but... It's about what he's going through and his emotional processing of things. He knows at this point that he's sending her back tomorrow. This is their last night together. And he wants to remember that. And he wants to remember the way that Claire sounds when she's, (laughs) you know, being pleasured and the way she looks. And he wants to remember that for the rest of his life because this is the last night they're going to have together. And while she doesn't realize that, he fully realizes that. And I just, I love this scene so much. He's making love to her is what he's doing. Yeah. And you're right. Like what you had said, he's looking at her. And what he tells her is, no, I want to look at you. He wants to be present. I think it went on a good amount. It just, it was a good moment between them. And anybody who has anything negative to say about it can shutty. Put some duct tape over your mouth. You have no opinion on this. It's a good moment. Because there are those people out there that they're like, oh, if there's a scene that is gratuitous and not necessary in this series, it's that one in The Devil's Mark. And I'm like, seriously? "Um, Yeah, I've heard it from a few people. And I'm like, then you didn't get the purpose of the scene if you think it's gratuitous. You didn't get the emotion behind it. Here's my response to that. That's how I feel. (laughs) I agree with you. There's so much more to it than it being sex. It's not actually sex. And I don't mean like the physically what's going on. Oh my God, I'm going to start crying because it's such a good moment. Like it's a really good moment. So the next morning she's washing in the creek and he comes up behind her and he says, are you ready to go home? And she's kind of resigned herself to thinking, yeah, let's go to Lollybrock. Let's just do it. She's come to that point in her head where she's prepared to do that for him because she knows that's what he really wants. And so in her head, that's what she's thinking. Okay, yeah, let's go to Lollybrock. And what he means is, are you ready to go home home? Are you ready to go back through the stones? And that look on Sam Hewen's face when she walks past and it's just on him for a minute and he like yeah. punches his jaw and oh that breaks my heart every time i watch that 
Because I just think like, of this section in the books when he says, I prayed all the way up that hill for God to give me the strength to not fall yep. on my knees and beg you to stay. Yep. <laughs> it just oh, it makes me want to cry just thinking about it because it's awful. Like, even before he says, are you ready to go home? He's looking at her at first and you can kind of see it on his face. Something's off. And then she goes up to him and yeah, I remember those lines from the book too. And I really liked it as well because any human uh, who believes in God, you know, would try to be like, you need to help me because this is hard because I love her. He's pretty amazing. This Jamie Frazier. There's Um, a reason that he's called the king of men. And that's all I will say about it. It's these moments. And you're right. She's thinking Wally Brock. And he's going, (laughs) the stones. She kind of freaks out when she sees the stones. And he's like, this is what you wanted, right? It's what you've always wanted. And she's just kind of like mechanically nodding her head like, I suppose so. She didn't want this decision. I would have been pissed at him. I would have been like, what the fuck are you doing? (laughs) It would have been hard to have this in front of my face. But she needed this moment. And he needed her to have this moment. It's her honest-to-God opportunity to examine her feelings and find out what she really wants. Not the decision that she's forced to make for this, that, or the other. This is truly in her heart what she wants. Does she want to go back to Frank and all the comforts of the 20th century? Or does she want to stay with Jamie in the 18th century? And it's completely her choice this time. There's no other external forces forcing her hand. She has to look at herself. She's finally given the choice that she's wanted for the past 10 episodes. What's she going to do with that choice? It would be hard. I would hate to have this in front of my face. (laughs) It would not be fun, but also very good and empowering. Like she needs to make this decision. She's walking towards the stones and Jamie panics and grabs her and was like, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. Oh, my God. I was like, girl, stop going near the stones. I was freaking out. And he grabs her arm. And I'm like, oh, thank God. Like, oh. Jamie's reaction was completely logical. Just completely logical. And him going, I'm sorry. I'm like, no, that's totally fine. And she goes, thank you for stopping me. (laughs) The thing that I love about this scene is you can see them both warring with the same things in their head they're both trying to talk themselves into this decision they're like well frank's on the other side and she's like yeah frank and you can tell she's like trying to convince herself that this is the right decision for her like it makes sense and he says there's nothing for you on this side except for (sighs) violence and danger and you can see it in her eyes she's saying and you, you're here. Yeah. <laughs> I'm saying that. I'm going, you are, Jamie. Stop saying that. <laughs> it's so emotional, this entire last bit of this episode. We're feeling it all. Can you tell Sassanac Files universe? It's all of it. <laughs> so he finally, like, decides to leave. And he's like, but I'll stay at the campsite to make sure that you're safe. And mm-hmm. they say goodbye to each other, which is something that we didn't even get in 2.13. <laughs> no. You know, 
What I loved was when they were walking up to the stones, and he goes, is, is this it? This is the place? And she goes, yeah. And he takes out his sword right away and walks around just to make sure they're safe. She's safe. I'm sure that she told him what happened in both sides now when she went yeah. running to the stones and the redcoats ended up being there. So he's like, that ain't happening twice. Yeah. Oh, my God. Jamie. So she's sitting in the stone circle after Jamie leaves, looking at her rings, which I thought was a beautiful callback to the wedding, the final scene of the wedding episode. Ooh, interesting. Because you see the evolution of this character from her brand new arranged marriage to Jamie and yeah, they're friends, but that's it. And now she's got these feelings for him. Like she loves him and she's, she's debating staying in the 18th century to be with him. And then there's Frank and that shiny gold, annoying fucking ring. (laughs) I know she should Um, take it off. Shouldn't she? (laughs) uh, He is just that splinter in her finger. She just can't stop thinking about him. She can't stop thinking about him. Poor Frank. It just got ripped from her, though. That whole life got ripped away from her, and now she's faced with this decision. It sucks. Yeah, it'll shape the rest of her life, whatever she decides in this moment. But it's crazy. Yeah, you can see all of that, and you just know all of that is running through her head. Like, I love Jamie. Jamie's here. Jamie's now. Like, Jamie's everything to me, but then there's Frank. And I tried for so long to get back to him, and I still love him. And now I have the opportunity to go home, but do I want that? Do I want that anymore? Yeah, it's, it's crazy. Cool thought process though, of it being in connection to the end of the wedding. Like I never pieced that together. So that's pretty cool because anybody would be looking at those rings. I have a question. So when she looks behind her looks where jamie's at turns around and the camera goes to the stones how did you feel about that shot i don't know i mean obviously they did it to keep us on our toes like i just i don't i never really thought about it honestly because i know in my head that she never thought about going back to frank like she wanted to go to jamie and that was that like she never almost touched the stones so if anything i guess like i get why people would think it was unnecessary, but I also get that they did it for the audience's experience, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. As someone who saw that shot, every time it bothered the fat out of me. I hope that phrase doesn't offend anybody. It sounds like my mother. Anyways, it never made sense for that shot to happen. Just cinematography-wise, it bugs me still. And I know that in the book, she just automatically, like you said, goes to Jamie. There was no other option in her brain. But, like, it just, it irritates me. So, <laughs> it's one of those mild cinematography things. Anyways, um, let's get back to the romance side of this. She goes to Jamie, and he's lying by the fire, crying. He's just sad, like, my heart is gone. <laughs> she says, get on your feet, soldier, which I love that. <laughs> and yeah. he's like, oh, my God, am I dreaming? And then she says, take me home to Lollybrook. And I love it. (laughs) I have a t-shirt that says that, guys. That's how much I love that line. She's been trying to figure out what home is the whole time. 
this episode. Like, it kind of came up even earlier in the episode. Like, I've just been trying to go home. Lolly Brock is home for her, and that's all he wanted to hear from her is that Lolly Brock was home. And he needed to hear that, like, take me home to Lolly Brock. That's such a intense line. I think it's yeah. interesting that that was your interpretation because I think more so in this episode for me personally, she realized what Jamie had realized a couple episodes ago was that Jamie is her home. That Lolly Brock may be his home, but Jamie is her home. That's kind of how I interpreted it. Okay. It's both. <laughs> it's, in my brain. <laughs> it's all the warm feels, guys. <laughs> it's all of it. <laughs> Yay. And they kiss, and their wedding theme is going. I had the credits playing. I don't normally do that. Very few episodes where I just let it play. Mm-hmm. Just yeah, <laughs> this one is an episode where I let the credits play. Um, 512 is a really good one that I let the credits play. 213, I let the credits play. That's a good one. I let Garrison Commanders play because I just love that music right when she grabs the alcohol. (laughs) (laughs) It's just, it's fun. I love this moment because Jamie's chosen. Mm. She chose him. And that feels good for anybody. So all the feels. So we already know what my quote of the episode was. What was yours? What we didn't say in the episode analysis, and I did that on purpose because I wanted to keep it for here, and that was when Claire had finally told Jamie she was from the future, and he says, no, I believe you, Sassanac. And he gets up, and she's in shock, and he goes, I do not understand it a bit, not yet, but I trust you. I trust your word. I trust your heart. I trust that there is a truth between us. So whatever you tell me, I will believe you. That whole thing is just so good. That was just like another moment where I went, are you even a real person? Thanks, Diana, for creating him. Because like, we kind of need that visual like that that is possible. It just it's some good stuff. I think it's very equal to the line that he had said in the courtroom that we're passionate about. So it's it's good stuff. So my yummy moment, and I think ours is probably the same, is the fireside scene before he sends her back. Mm. Yeah. On so many levels. (laughs) So many levels of yum in that scene. He's just amazing. And that he cares more about her in that moment than himself is just, yes. Just yes. All of it. Yeah. Yep. I agree with you. That was mine for sure. This probably devalues it a little bit, but I called it the obvious finger in glory. Oh my god. <laughs> Anyways. Um who was that was me coming out and I'm okay with that. Okay. Um, who was your best performance, Chelsea? I am going to pull a first time for me and say it was an ensemble performance for me. Interesting. I, I think there were so many people that did a fantastic job. Katrina, obviously, Lada, Bill Patterson, who plays Ned. Sam had some amazing, amazing moments in this scene. And then, obviously, you've got Nell Hudson. And I'm sorry, I don't know the name of the guy who plays Father Bane, but he was really good as well. So I just felt like everybody kind of had a great performance this episode. 
Nice. That was kind of where my train of thought was going, but I really felt like Lada deserved the spotlight, along with my honorable mention being Katrina. I just thought they both did really amazing. And I love Sam. Just know I love him, but I just thought these two women did a fantastic job. Well, guys, I think that officially wraps up our analysis of 111, The Devil's Mark. And it was a good talk. I feel like we touched on some great moments. This episode was critical to the rest of the season and the rest of the series because Jamie knows, Jamie knows finally that Claire is from the 20th century and we can move forward. They're 100% on the same page now. Yeah. It's really great. And she chose him. So it's like they really are together now. It's both of them. It's not that they were forced together now anymore. It's All right. Well, as always, we're going to do the Sassanac Files Recommends. And I actually have been super busy doing other stuff this week. So I don't have anything for you guys. But I think Rebecca has a couple of things for you guys. So I will hand the virtual mic to her. <laughs> Grabs mic. Okay, so I've been re-listening to the first book in the Harry Potter series called The Sorcerer's Stone. And I've been watching the actors read the chapters that they've been doing since this worldwide quarantine has happened on the Wizarding World website. So if you just have a login, all that stuff, it's pretty simple. And you get to find out which house you're in, all that stuff. So I've been watching those. They send it to your email and it's a lot of fun. Um, it's bringing back all the feels because I've I read them a few years back and it's just I'm excited and this is my second read which I know that's going to be like really a shocker for some people who listen there and be like the fuck <laughs> I'm so excited to go through that story it's just again bringing back all the feels it's it's fun um, if you haven't read them before I highly recommend them it's a really good story. And if you haven't reread them in a while, like get back to it and get back all the feels because it's, it's some good stuff. My other recommendation is from one of our very own in the Outlander cast, and that is Lauren Lyle, who will be playing a character we haven't met yet. Her name is Marcely. Her podcast is called She's a Wreck. And I've only listened to a few episodes right now, and she has 10 out right this second because that was her season one. It's just seriously amazing I think every woman should listen to it and the very first episode she actually interviews Katrina so that was a lot of fun she's such a cutie Lauren like oh my god she's really adorable and funny and just it's very empowering listening to the podcast again any woman out there go check it out those are my recommendations this week awesome sauce All right, guys. Well, that about wraps up this episode. We want to remind you guys that you can find us on social media on Facebook and Instagram under the Sassanac Files. And we also have a blog where I try to put up a little something for you guys once uh, every other week or so. And you can currently find my newest blog entry about my personal ranking of the big books of the Outlander series. That sparked some controversy, let me tell you, but we're all adults (laughs) here, so we're moving forward. (laughs) Um, I've seen some of those controversies. (laughs) 
man. No, yeah. It's all in good fun. I love talking to you guys about it. And that is one great thing about the Outlander fandom is everybody's so willing to talk and give their opinions and ideas and insights into things and a lot of valuable uh, intellectual insights. It's really great. Um, yeah, so check that out on the blog. And also, if you guys have any comments or questions about anything in these last few episodes we've done or anything before that, feel free to shoot us an email at thesassanacfiles at gmail.com. Thanks again for tuning in, guys and gals. Like, it's just, it's fun to talk about these episodes. And this was a really good one to chat up. Yeah, enjoy your... Uh, time outside hopefully the weather's good wherever you're at i know it's hot in a lot of the u.s right now (laughs) uh per usual for july but we're making it work making our way through it so yeah if you guys enjoy (laughs) your week and uh we will chat out you next time when we're talking 112 lollybrock until then bye guys bye